You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 23. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. This week, actually, it was a little bit last week, we actually have hit our five-month mark for The Lively Show. We are just swimming along, guys. We're over 100,000 downloads in now, and it is growing quickly. So for all of those people who have come on, especially in the last week, I've seen a huge influx of new listeners. Thank you for being here, and welcome to the show. Feel free to go back into those archives, and a lot of people are doing some marathons, and that is awesome. So before we get started today, I wanted to share two fun announcements before getting to the show. So number one is JessLively.com and TheLivelyShow.com just got some new photos or a little bit of a new look. Uh, Before leaving for Austin in a few weeks, I wanted to get some photos done with my favorite photographer here, Daniel Peter of DanielPeter.com. He's a great photographer I've worked with for years. So I wanted to get some pictures in of what I look like now before I go to a land where I'm sure I'll meet photographers, but don't know any right now. So it's really nice to have another photo for a long time. It's just kind of been the lively show photo plastered everywhere. (laughs) So if you want to go take those out, feel free. And number two is, in this whole going away process, readers have been reaching out and listeners asking me to have two things. One, a going away party here in Chicago, and two, a little meetup in Austin when I arrive. So I am planning to do so. I don't know the plans for Austin yet. I got to get there first and then I'll figure it out. I think it will be happening at the Salty Sow for anyone who is in Austin or excited to come. And then in Chicago, I'm looking at at the dates of either the 21st of July or possibly the 28th. So I'll be in touch more about that as I get closer, probably next week actually. I'll hopefully know which date will actually be better for my schedule with everything on my plate. There may be a last minute trip to New York that I might be going on. So I'll have to figure out which date that I'll go away for that. And that'll help me decide the going away party. But you guys will be welcome to join. And there's a little surprise I have for both of those occasions. So stay tuned. Now let's get on to the show. So in today's episode, we're talking with Rachel McDonald of the blog In Spaces Between. Rachel is a life and blog coach helping people live pretty much with intention. She's like a kindred spirit. She is from Australia. And I have actually known of Rachel several years. Just if you want a little background on her, she has an amazing blog, which like I said, is in spaces between. She also has an amazing blog course called Bright Eyed and Blog Hearted. That is a huge success and people are loving it. I even know one of my own assistants, uh, Life with Intention and Business with Intention Workshop last year has taken her course and loved it. So that's um, a big part of her work. And she's written with Tara Bliss, a book called Spirited and The Spirited Companion. I've purchased and read both of those books myself and really really recommend them. They're awesome guys. So Rachel will share a little bit about those things. But in particular today, we're going to discuss how she got exposed to spirituality and how she then kind of went away from all of that for several years and self-sabotaged 
only to then come back to it. Now I really had her on the show because I, when I think of Rachel, I think of her as someone who's incredibly joyful and loving to a level that a lot of us, I don't know, or at least people, myself included, don't know that I'm always that joyful or loving. And she really seems to embody it. So I really wanted to learn from her about how she has gotten to that place. So she's going to share Exactly that. She's going to tell us the habits and rituals and practices and the work that she has done in her own life to help herself increase her levels of joy and love to such a degree. And she's also going to share her journey and the story along the way. So let's go to the show. Thank you, Rachel. I don't know if you realize it, but you're the first international guest we've had on the show coming in live from Australia. Woohoo! <laughs> Thank you. Yay. Okay. So I've been looking forward to having you on the show for so long. So let's get started. Let's talk about your career background and how you got to where you are. Cool. So what I might do is take you right back because it's all, it's all pretty relevant to where I've ended up today. So I had um, what might be considered a bit of an unconventional childhood in some respects, but I was really lucky to grow up with a mother who was definitely a big advocate for heart-based living and for intuitive living. And that's really informed, I think, the direction my life has now taken. It was always there in the background and, and now it's become obviously what I do day to day. So when I was just going going right back, one of the biggest and I think one of the most pivotal periods in my life when was when I was around 11 years old and my parents were going through a divorce and there was a whole lot of um, self-inquiry and healing going on for them both. My mum was also uh, very ill at the time and we lost my aunt to cancer. So it was just a really heavy time. And what happened was I started seeing on our bookshelves books by spiritual or or self-help authors like Louise Hay and Wayne Dyer and Anthony Robbins and, and a lot of the other teachers from that era started to find their way onto our bookshelves. And because I've always been a huge reader myself and always been very curious about life, I I started to pick them up. Um, So I'm, yeah, 11, 12 years old, and a lot of it did go over my head, of course. But I had this resonance with the messaging around um, positive thinking and creating our realities and that there was something, you know, greater than ourselves out there. So I, I kind of really got that, even if some of the concepts were a bit too out there for me at that point. Um, I really, I kept all of this a secret because I thought that my my parents were pretty weird at that point in time. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to be, I wanted them to be that stereotypical mum and dad suburban mum and dad and you know at that age you are just so concerned with fitting in and and being normal that talking about these concepts about positive thinking and things is just way too weird so I kind of kept all that to myself but behind the scenes at home I was very intrigued um so my mum took me along to what was my first personal development seminar when I was 12 I think it was really (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and that was that was an incredible experience to me, and I still remember. I actually still remember the feeling of being there, in a room with people gathered for that intention of transforming their lives. So I, I guess you could say there was a seed planted for sure. What did it feel like as a twelve-year-old? It felt expansive. That's probably the word that I could put to it. It just felt like 
oh my gosh, this is so different to the world of going to school every day and sitting in a classroom and, uh, you know, being around friends. It was just this energy, really an intangible feeling, but um, a real energy. And I was very conscious of it as well, probably because I had been like looking through books by Louise Hay and Wayne Dyer. I was probably a bit more tuned into (laughs) it. So this is this is kind of the early part of my life and then moving on to the, my late teens and early 20s I basically proceeded to throw all that away and spend years literally running away from myself and that was by partying and and chasing boys and yo-yo dieting and using all these distractions to run away from myself and I felt quite disconnected from myself at that point in time. I was constantly seeking approval outside of myself. I had my identity fully wrapped up in the fact that I had this great job that took me traveling around the world and and it looked really great on paper and I could buy a new outfit every weekend. But it was all really self-focused in completely wrong ways. What kind of career was it? I was actually designing watches, which is a bit of a random career. My whole life I had wanted to be a journalist. I have always loved to write and um, I was just steadfast on the fact that I was going to uni, I was doing communications and I was going to be a journalist. Once I got to uni, I, I really started to go off the idea of journalism in the traditional sense and started to move more towards the public relations side of things. So I still wanted to be in communications, but not as a journalist. And then I got offered this job. As soon as I finished uni, I was offered this job, which was presented as um, creative merchandising, I think it was called, which turned out to be watch design. And I worked for a company that had a head office in Hong Kong. So I spent a lot of time traveling. It was an amazing job for a 21 year old for sure. And, um, but I can see how, you know, really my identity started to get wrapped up in the fact I had that job at that age. Um, so that point in time, looking back now, it's really not hard to see with all that focus being on, on the wrong things. I attracted this relationship into my life that um, basically mirrored my own lack of love for myself. It was... Uh, it has been. It was an incredible teacher for me, the the relationship. But it was just swinging between highs and heartbreak on a weekly basis. It was just either one or the other. It was quite a um, just a really bizarre relationship. And I hadn't begun doing the internal work, so I'd I'd had the taste of that as a as a preteen, but I had really lost that. So I hadn't done this internal work that I have obviously now done. So my external world was just a reflection of what was going on for me inside, and I was always keeping myself at arm's length from feeling joyful. Um, so there was all this suffering kind of going on under the surface. So. After many more ups and downs with this relationship, basically it was as as if life had then said to me, okay, we've got this great guy for you. (laughs) You're going to meet him and then you're not going to see him for two years because you need to go away and and work on your stuff and then you'll be ready for to open up to receive this relationship basically. And that guy is, is now my husband. So you met him and then you didn't see him for two years? Yeah. So we had a friend who... Uh, we, we now think that he has maybe some kind of psychic abilities. He had, he was hell bent on us meeting each other. He basically said, you, you need to meet this guy. 
Um, and I was going through all this stuff with, with my ex at that point in time. So I had no interest in meeting this guy. I was like, no, I, I really don't want to. Um, anyway, we met and we met just one night and then we, our paths just went in completely different directions. So we didn't see each other for another two years. And then this friend again brought us back together um, and said, you know, you guys should reconnect again. So he must have had some some knowing there that um, it was meant to be, which was was quite cool. Aww. Yeah, it's a, a pretty. We've got a um, a pretty cool little story, uh, little love story around that. Um, so anyway, to cut to the chase, there basically, I had gone through this accelerated process of learning lesson upon lesson with with this other guy. So when my husband showed up again after that two years, I think I was really ready for that level of love without sabotaging it in a way that I had previously done. I was open and I had gone inwards and I'd started doing the work to be able to receive it. Um, And this is where I really started to learn about um, self-responsibility and taking complete responsibility for um, our own actions and our own reactions and our own healing and, and just doing that inner work and how when we do that, then life supports us as well. So shifting on a few years, we'll we'll move into the career side of things and talk a little bit about how I ended up doing what I'm doing today. I had been working in the corporate world all up for 10 years, and this this sort of brings me up to 2012, and my soul was begging for a creative outlet. I was working in PR, but I just felt like I wasn't writing enough, and I wanted to connect with like-minded people. I felt a little bit like I was leading a double life. So I had all these interests in self-empowerment and, um, you know, living your best life. And then I was working in the corporate world in an office where that just wasn't the type of thing that people talked about. So I started in spaces between actually in June 2011. At the beginning, it was just for me to have space where I could write and connect with other people. But there was this small voice that was saying to me, maybe this will lead to something someday. So just experiment, just see how it goes. So I kept plugging away and I was like a woman possessed, (laughs) really. (laughs) I was, you know, blogging in the morning before work. I was coming home at night and jumping straight on the computer. I was spending my weekends crafting blog posts and taking photos. And I just was absolutely in love with the fact that I had this platform that I could start expressing what I really wanted to express with the world rather than my day job where I was, you know, basically being told what to do. So my audience started growing and then 2012 was the big year and that was the year that everything started to shift for me. I got married that year. I started an online course which really opened up my eyes to to the possibilities of working in the online world and I also started feeling really, really disconnected from myself and disconnected from that sense of passion and purpose in my day job. So at work, I felt like I was asleep and then I'd come home and I'd come alive again. And, and you know, once you get to that point, I think there's a, there is that point where you say, I can't do this anymore. This isn't serving me. So I started taking some little deliberate intentional steps to move towards the vision that I had been plastering all over vision boards and writing in my journal about, which was to start my own coaching business. I hired a coach myself. I started working with a kinesiologist as well. And I was doing a lot of my own personal 
practices of meditation and, and journaling as well. What is a kinesiologist? Ah, oh, kinesiologist. What my favorite, <laughs> my favorite type of person. So kinesiology is well, the kinesiologist that I go to basically. What she does is she unblocks your energy. So in, in a similar way to getting acupuncture, where it's, it's all about sort of unblocking energy in your body and it's all based on energy meridians that, you know, we have energy flowing through the body and sometimes it can get blocked based on an emotional wound or trauma or, or just a fear of something that's happened to us. So kinesiology does the same thing but without the the acupuncture needles, it does it through muscle testing. Oh, so it's not Reiki? No, it's different. It, it's similar in some ways, but um, yeah, d- a different modality. Okay. Exactly. And it, it continues to be something that completely fascinates me. I really don't 100% get what's going on, but all I know <laughs> is when I, when I go to my kinesiologist, if, if something has been unbalanced in my body or if I've just been feeling stuck or blocked on something, I walk out a different person. I just feel amazing. Really? Yeah, I started doing that and there was what actually came through with that kinesiology was I did have a lot of past conditioning and stories around struggle with, you know, not having security and struggles with money. And and I think this is really common with lots of people that stay in jobs far longer than they really want to is just that fear of the unknown. So, Anyway, once I started taking that, those steps, and I think once you do this in life, once you start taking those steps, life seems to start to rearrange itself and, and almost push you gently in the direction that you have been calling in or that you've been wanting to move into. So by the end of 2012, it was, it was November 2012, it was time. It was just time to take the leap. I realized that there never would be a perfect time. I could continue finding excuses of why, you know, maybe just six more months or maybe two more months. And I thought, no, this is it. I can't keep coming here and feeling overwhelmed and and over it like I have been. So I put a note in my newsletter to my blog subscribers and I said, look, guys, I'm, I'm just putting this out there. I'm taking some expressions of interest if anyone would like to work with me as a blog coach. And at that point in time, what I thought was that was the perfect way for me to combine the fact that I was a blogger and I'd been doing it for a couple of years at that point in time and had some great information to share with other people and also the fact that I came from a communications background. So I thought, you know, this this would be a really great way I can work with people one-on-one as a coach. And I ended up having a phenomenal response. It was, it, it really blew me away. And literally within the press, within 24 to 48 hours, I was going, I have to quit my job. I can't, (laughs) I can't do both of these things. This is just not going to work. I had, I think 30 people sign on to work with me. So that was, I, I gave my notice. I finished up at Christmas and I started my business on the 2nd of January of 2013 last year. So that's the the story to date. (laughs) That's amazing. And really, really awesome. So one of the things you've kind of been dancing around or touching on is about the joyfulness and your exploration of unblocking energy and everything. And I've read your awesome book, which you haven't mentioned yet, Spirited, that you've created. And it's amazing. And just from kind of seeing you online, you seem like one of the most loving and joyful people I've ever come across. So I have to ask, now that we know you haven't always been that way, besides kinesiology, how has that come for you? Yeah, so I think there's there's so many 
so many ways to go about creating more joy in your life. I think joy is the energy of love. And it's, to me, I look at it from that sort of energetic standpoint or the, the vibration is it's like raising your vibration. So if I go back to my story, when I was working um, full time and when I was just, you know, it was time to leave, I was going in every day with this low vibration of feeling resentful and feeling overwhelmed and feeling stuck and fearful. So, you know, at that point in time, that's what was being reflected back to me. It was only once I started taking these steps and going, no, this isn't really how I want to be living my life that things started to shift. So, uh, a big one for me in finding joy, a really simple but big one, has always been movement, exercise. It's it's really, really important. And I think it's one of those things that we can hear that so many times that we just brush over it and go, yeah, yeah, exercise, that's fine. But it's so powerful to change your state, like Anthony Robbins says. You know, if you're, if you're sitting there and you're overcome with emotion or you're feeling any kind of negative thought pattern going on if you get up and if you go for a walk or if you go for a run or or what do some yoga whatever it is things shift they they absolutely shift I love that I've never actually heard that before and by the way I have to call out an amazing quote you already shared and I can't wait to put it on the episode joy is the vibration of love I love that yeah, I think it's, um, you know, those those two go hand in hand. So, you know, I've never thought about the energy and how it shifts after you've exercised, but that's so true. So basically what you're saying is if you're in kind of a funk or you're in a weird place, go work out. You know, I always take a nap and sometimes that shifts the energy for me. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's really about tuning into your body as a moment to moment or daily practice. It, it will be different every day. There's sometimes, like you said, taking a nap, there's sometimes where the last thing I want to do is, you know, go outside and go for a run. In that moment, you know, the most joyful thing I can do is lie on my bed with a good book or, yeah, have a nap or, you know, shut my eyes for 10 minutes and do a meditation. It's, it is a different um, I think we, we sort of reach for different things depending on where our energy's at and where our mood's at and all of those things. But I know there's so many things available to us. That's the beautiful thing. I mean, I spent this morning, and if you look on my Instagram, you'll see a photo. This morning I sat at the beach for an hour just looking. I live just right across the road from the beach, and I saw one of the most spectacular sunrises I've ever seen in my life. And I was just sitting there going, this is amazing. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's just something so simple. But all day now, I think I'll feel that feeling of what that sunrise felt like, just really appreciating nature and, um, you know, mentioning um, appreciation, gratitude. That's so important to create more of anything in your life. Focus on what it is that you want. And I think when you're focusing on gratitude, you're saying, you know, thank, thank you for this and more of this, please. One of the things I talk about on my blog is about gratitude being a practice, not just a result that just like spontaneously comes to you, but to really build the muscle. So do you have any practices that you use to build your gratitude? Yeah. So I've just written and spoken um, gratitude practices. So every night, three to five things that I'm grateful for, I'll actually say them out loud generally to my husband, um, or I will write them down, just either scribble them on a post-it while I'm working or put it in, in my journal. I think it's it's the intention behind it. And I know you're, you're very big on intention like <laughs> me. Um, it's just, you know, we can think 
oh, I should write down what I'm grateful for, but it's just actually doing it and bringing that, that feeling to it. That's awesome. So what else besides exercise and gratitude works for you? Something that, that works really well for me is travel as well. And I know that's not available to us at all times, but it can be traveling for an hour in the car. It doesn't need to be going on an overseas holiday. I have, every time I come back from a trip and I've just recently been on a holiday, I come back and it's like the baseline has been restored again. So generally just before you go away, it seems to happen like this is always <laughs> quite a busy period in your life, whether you're preparing for being away or whether it just works out that way. Um, and it's like you just sort of sink back down to to normality and the baseline is restored. So I think even if, you know, for people looking to create more joy, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to have an expensive trip away. It could just be hopping in the car and driving somewhere you haven't been before or taking your laptop and working in a cafe that's a bit out of town. Just something to to sort of change. Again, it's about changing your state. I think like the exercise, we can just get in that routine of sitting in the same place every day and, and feeling the feeling that that place creates for us. Getting out and about really helps. So it's about changing the state. That's how your love and joy is so high is because you change your state when you're not feeling that way to be come that way. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things that we also talk about, my friend Tara and I, who wrote Spirited and the Spirited Companion, the Spirited Companion is very much about embracing all of it. So it's about looking at those experiences that we previously might have avoided or run away from or branded as negative or bad and saying, this has no more weight to it than an experience that we would deem as as positive. So looking at all of it and going, okay, if right now I'm not feeling completely joyful, what's the message in this for me? Or why do I need to feel this feeling right now? What's it teaching me? Um, and then choosing, I think, to take that small step step to shift back to the desired state. Yeah, that's really powerful. And for those listening, I've read both of her books and they are amazing. I really recommend them. They're really well done. They're beautiful too, Rachel. They're really beautiful and they're beautifully written. So have you recently had a situation where you haven't been feeling loving and joyful that was difficult that you've had to kind of change your state about that you're willing to share? Yeah. Uh, what's a, a recent experience? Um, I think in... I've had a really busy, big start to this year. So things, the gears seem to have shifted now over the past probably two or th two or three months, and things t seem to have slowed down a lot. But at the beginning of the year, it, it was just literally like I was on a horse that was just <laughs> a wild horse that was running away, and and I was holding on for dear life at, at some points. I released what is the biggest creative offering I've, I've ever created in my life and has been the most incredible experience. But with that, there was a lot of inner work that I didn't actually first realize I would need to do at that point in time. So what I mean by that is creating something on, on such a bigger scale compared to, say, the ebooks that I'd created brought up those fears of, um, actually fears of success was one of the, the biggest things that came up for me. It was, you know, I'm really putting myself out there in a much bigger way. And once people started signing up and I had a really great response to it, which I was uh, really, really grateful for, of course, it 
brought up all this really old stuff around being seen and yeah, being successful and what will people think and is are people going to act strangely towards me now and I really had to work through all of that and the thing that helped so kinesiology was definitely at the top of the list I think it was kinesiology can work on releasing stuff that you've been holding on to for a very long time so I I went through that whole process meditation my meditation practice it's something that for years I really I dabbled in and I was not super committed to and I think I had to come to the point where I was approaching it not as a tool to help fix me, but as a tool for me to just reconnect or just to come home to myself, like we, we mentioned in Spirited. So meditation, and and I'm not talking hour-long meditations, you know, sometimes 15 minutes just going and, and sitting and just observing my thoughts and, and not trying to completely clear my mind, but just observing the thoughts. Those two things were totally instrumental in me shifting from that fear-based thinking back into more of the heart-based reactions. Meditation now, I feel like, can kind of have a lot of different forms. So for you, do you listen to something while you're meditating or are you just observing the thoughts in a purely quiet space? What does it look like for you? It actually depends on how I feel. So sometimes I will use a guided meditation. Um, Not all the time. yeah, it, it really depends on how I feel. There's so many incredible guided meditations out there these days. I love Gabby Bernstein's, just her short, hers are just short eight minutes, I think they generally go for. Um, Belinda Davidson, who's also a mentor of mine, she has a longer um, chakra clearing meditation. And that's basically going through and, and clearing your energy from through the chakras, if, if anyone's sort of aware of all that. Um, that one's a little bit more in depth than say Gabby's meditation, but otherwise I will just go. Um, I like to be outside sitting at the beach in the morning. Generally, if I've gone for a walk or a run, I'll just sit down and, um, sometimes even with my eyes open, just be looking out to the sunrise or just looking out at the ocean and just letting those thoughts roll through me rather than attaching to them and going, Oh, I shouldn't be thinking that, or, Oh, I meant to still my mind. Just, just watching them roll through. When you're not listening to a guided meditation, do you put a timer on to let yourself know when you've hit the 15 minutes or do you just try to be still for 15 minutes without looking? (laughs) I try and test myself and see if I'll know when it's been time. Generally, it's when I I just will sort of go by feel. So I'll say, yep, I feel like I'm finished now. So I I try not to um, be... Yeah, so focused on on hitting that 15 minutes or 10 minutes or half an hour or whatever it is. If it's not a guided, I'll just go by feel. Okay. And this is something I picked up from Spirited and also have been seeing more and more online. And I think you might have something to share here. So I'm just going to throw it out there. I want to learn more about crystals and I've seen it online and I'm someone who like just learned what Mercury retrograde was. So I'm not exactly the, the hippest person when it comes to these things, but I would love to hear a little bit about what are crystals and why do people use them? <laughs> I love that. Now you'll be noticing every Mercury retrograde when your technology goes a bit crazy. I did. This last one that just happened, I actually, I Googled it. I was like, I think it's Mercury retrograde. And it was. And I was like, oh my gosh, at least I guess it. At least it's nice also knowing that it was Mercury yeah. retrograde rather than just a bad day. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, um, the is it the yellow car or the red car phenomenon? Once you bring your attention to it, you start seeing yes. it all the time. Um, so crystals, 
Yeah, so what I basically use crystals for is you can program your crystals to have a certain intention. So it might be, you know, when I'm doing a meditation, I'm holding on to this certain crystal and this crystal is going to help me embody feelings of peace or help me feel energized or whatever it is. So each crystal does have its own uh, I guess metaphysical or healing properties and you can look you can just look them up on online. There's so many different varieties of course but for me it's probably a bit more about just feeling supported so it's like a talisman to say okay when I'm I'm holding this in my hand or when I'm putting I often use crystals on top of a post-it which has some words around it of, of something I'm manifesting in my life so every time I release a product for example I'll put down a number of this is how many people I would love to have purchase my product or sign up for my course and I'll just pop a crystal on top of it so there's a crystal um, called citrine which is supposed to be very good for manifesting abundance and I'll just pop that on top and it's just uh, just another way to help you feel supported I guess so how do you program the crystals with your intention so you know you'd be holding the crystal in in your hand and you would be thinking about whatever you want that crystal to be. So it's like having a good luck charm, I guess. So, you know, if a football player says every time I run onto the field, I have to have this particular colour underwear on or I have to be holding this this particular key ring or whatever it is, um, they have created the intention that that brings them good luck. It's, it's sort of like that. Okay. All right. Thank you. I've just been seeing them and I'm like, I don't know what it is. I mean, it kind (laughs) of looks strange because I don't know why it's there, but I was really interested. Now, it just seems like it's a touchstone. It's literally, like you said, just that thing you hold on to that brings that feeling to your mind when you look at it and when you think about it. That's right. Okay. Oh, man. Thank you. I appreciate that because I've just like not really known. Is, Is it... Is that similar to um, essential oils and like smelling scents or different? Yeah, exactly. Um, So, yeah, just to backtrack a little bit on that, not so much on smelling scents. So particular scents will have uh, a particular effect, I guess. So you might have one that's for calming and you would burn that in your house and, um, you know, when you're writing it might make you feel calm. Also things like lighting a candle. You know, often people will have a writing ritual where they sit down at their desk and they'll have their cup of tea beside them and they will light the candle. And that is almost signaling to, you know, to them mentally, okay, the candle's on, so now we write and you've got your cup of tea here, so let's let's do this. It's the same that's exactly what yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's all programming. You know, you, you've programmed yourself to um, create that association between that act and then what happens after you take you do the act. Oh, I love that. Now, I, I'm really glad I asked because now I feel like I can understand and like even get into crystals if I want, just knowing that it, it's a physical object to remind you and recall that value or that intention you have. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. So to, tr- to backtrack, so you felt kind of overwhelmed with this idea of success and this this product launch and you worked through it was meditation. And what were the other what was the other thing you used to kind of overcome? So the the kinesiology, that's just something that I mean, I would probably do kinesiology 
once every couple of months um, just as, as a little balance for my body. But if I have a launch or something big coming up, um, I might check back in and, and do that, which I did at the time. Meditation and also the movement. You know, I really can't go past that. I think it's just it makes such a difference to just clearing your mind. And I think when we're doing something that requires us to step up, and I, I really love the book The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, that whole concept of upper limits and we have these certain ceilings that we create for ourselves and when we go out there and we do something new, we're stepping out of our comfort zone and we're sort of bursting through that ceiling and when that happens, it's going to raise the alarms. You know, the fear mind is going to say, hang on a minute, you haven't done this before, I, I want to keep you safe stay here. Please, please don't move up a level, basically. So for me, if I get into that pattern, what happens is there's lots of chatter. And you know, when it's just that feedback loop, and it's just going around and around and around with the same sort of thought, what changes that for me is running or yoga. They're the, the two things that seem to make a huge difference. Just going out for a half an hour run can just completely dissolve those thoughts. So what has it been like going past your upper limit problems? Because your success with the launch was pretty huge. So what has that been like being past the barrier? Well, I think the beautiful thing about it is it means that this second launch, which is coming up soon, has a completely different energy to it. So I feel almost like now, well, I've done it. You know, I, I did that before, so I don't have to go through the same learnings that I needed to go through, obviously. I don't need to go through that this second time, so I, I can um, just open up and receive in a different way. So yeah, it feels pretty good. <laughs> What's the different way of receiving? Well, I set the intention that I really wanted this launch to be about ease. Last time, so my course has 70,000 words of content, which was all written while I was still coaching and still blogging and, and doing lots of other things. It was all written in a four, uh, five or six week period. So it was, you know, it was like writing a book, I guess, in a very short time frame. And with that, obviously behind the scenes with any launch there's lots of other technical things going on and there was members portals and there was uh, you know all these bits and pieces going on so the feeling certainly wasn't ease it was I felt stretched in a really good way I learned a lot about myself in the process uh, you know like we're just talking about so this time I feel like I can just sort of ease into it and and say okay I'm ready for almost to reap the rewards a little bit of, from the hard work that was done the first time around. Thank you for going into that. I love that. So what would you recommend? We've kind of touched on this, but if there's anything else, please feel free to share. Um, what would you recommend for others who may be trying to feel more joyful and loving? I think the the first thing is bringing your awareness to what it is in your life that's that's taking you from that feeling of joy or love. So, you know, I think we can have those moments where we're just cruising along and, and life is fine and then we can be sideswiped by something. So I think rather than just letting that happen and go, oh, that's just how life is, really bringing the awareness to it first and foremost and, and saying, um, what is happening here? What's the feeling here? Why, you know, is it that my expectations and the reality don't match up? Is, is that what it's all about? Or, you know, is it something that I've been believing, a limiting belief that I've been carrying around for, for far too long that I'm actually ready now to transcend? Whatever it is, I think it all starts with 
awareness. So what doesn't feel right and what would what would good feel like? What would joy feel like? And starting to paint that picture. So I'm I'm pretty huge on you know, crafting the vision. I think having something to be, you know, I'm all about being in the present moment, of course, but I do think it's really nice to have a painted picture of where we're going or how we want to feel. And, and I mean, I think Danielle Laporte is the, the, you know, she's become (laughs) so known for focusing on how you want to feel rather than, than the goal, the feeling underneath the goal, basically. Um, so, yeah, paint that vision of, of what joyful would feel like or what um, feeling loved or being loved would feel like and then starting to close the gap by those small, just those baby steps and taking those small right actions every day or every week towards towards that. That's beautiful. What doubts or resistance have you had to face in your career or life? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, it's it's part of the human condition that we we do doubt and we we come up against resistance probably more than we show the world. So, I think for me the doubts have always been around it's it's probably come down to more needing to have the control of the situation. So in those moments where I've been faced with a lot of uncertainty, just feeling myself um, contracting and going, no, I I want the plan. I want to see how this is going to work out. I I won't leave until I know the next step and the step after that and the step after that. And so, of course, that brings up all the doubt. and, And it's just not how life rolls. We are constantly looking at uncertainty, even in the moments we think that we have complete certainty. So a big uh, a big thing for me has been trusting and having faith in the moments where it, life is uncertain and it feels uncomfortable. I think it's very easy to, and I have certainly found myself being caught up in this in the past, it's very easy to, um, to write about or to talk about how much faith and trust we have in life when things are going good. Um, when life's looking after, when we feel that life is looking after us. But it's in those moments where we're really called to step up that that's when the the true work happens here. Um, As far as resistance, you know, I think being a creative type, (laughs) we will have resistance at sitting down with the, the blank screen and and writing that that's something that I do you know I don't deal with it as as often as I used to years ago but it is something that will still pop up for me now and again and it's generally when I'm doing something that matters to me so it's a really good signal to to keep going how do you overcome it when it feels important like that it's for me it's just starting starting is is the big thing and I I often forget this but when I can remind myself that if I write one paragraph or if I write one page I won't stop. I just have to get started. So it's almost like you need to just take that, you know, put fingers to the keyboard and just start typing, even if it doesn't make sense. And then I seem to get into a flow where I I sort of lose all track of time and I lose track of, of the conscious mind that's telling me, oh, you can't do this or I don't want to do this. It's just getting started. I love that. It's kind of like the the whole tip about putting your running shoes on and going out the door or something like that so that you end up end up doing the run anyways. Exactly. Yeah. So what would you tell someone who's just starting out on this journey? Oh, gosh. Well, I would definitely recommend 
creating some sort of practice where you're connecting with you. So we live in a, a pretty noisy world. Uh, we have, if, if you're online, there's lots happening all the time. And it's really, really easy to get swept up in comparison or other people's expectations or fear of being left behind, all of those nasty little things that pop up. So just carving out, whether it's 10 minutes a day or, or however long it is every day, just to have time to to communicate with yourself. For me, that looks like meditation. It may be a, a different or journaling. It may be a different form for someone else going for a walk or, um, you know, speaking into a, a voice recorder and recording your thoughts or recording a video. Any of that sort of stuff is really, really powerful because what starts to happen is you start to trust yourself more. You start to get that feeling of, you know what, I'll work this out. I, I do trust myself. I have the ability. I'm enough. I can overcome this when you hit those roadblocks. That's my biggest tip. I think the, the big thing is starting to come home to yourself. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Rachel. My pleasure. And there you have it. Thank you, Rachel, for coming on the show and being our first international guest. And thank you guys for listening. If you'd like to send Rachel a message to thank her, as always, you can go over to Twitter. Her Twitter handle is Rachel McGahee. So Rachel, M-A-G-A-H-Y. Thank you guys so much. All the show notes for every link that was mentioned are over on JessLively.com slash Rachel McDonald. May something wonderful happen to you today. <laughs> <laughs>